My name is Antonio Knox, and you are listening to The Gradient Radio An open space to converse about creativity for creatives by creatives. And we have a special guest today. Whether it is in the form of creating bridges in a song or metaphors in a sermon. Today, our guest is Rivers Taylor. Hey. <laughs> did you write that, man? I did, bro. Yo, that was brilliant. <laughs> I'm going to use that. I, that was so poetic. Thank you so much. How are you, man? I'm well. I have coffee. <laughs> and it's great. Yes. Coffee, coffee's amazing. How are you, man? I'm good, bro. You look well. I'm good. I, 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 I try to be. I, I got to take care of you. And I, I tell you that. Can you tell us your skin routine right now? Uh, I use human race. Really? Yeah. How does it, is it, it clearly works well. It, it works, and I use human race with a combination of Jamaican castor oil. Silky. Yeah. yeah. I, need to, I need to get right. <laughs> it's good. Um, it's it's kind of pricey, but it's it's good, though. Worth it, though. It's, it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. It's worth it. Yeah. Um, Thank you for being on. Thank you for having me, man. Absolutely, bro. Absolutely, bro. Um, for those for those people who may not know who Rivers River Taylors is, yeah, uh, could you tell people who who you are? Yeah, I'm Rivers. Uh, some people call me Riv. Some people call me Uncle Riv. Even though I'm not that old, Uncle Riv. Um, <laughs> I'm from the seven five originally. I came to Richmond about four years ago. Uh, Longer than four years. Well, I started working in Richmond about six years ago. I didn't move to Richmond though until four years ago. Four years ago. Um, yeah, right now I kind of teeter between faith-based art and like just any sort of art. Um, staffed at a church here in Richmond, the Life Church. Um, one wife, Morgan, three kids, Layla, four, and Zoe. Um, so I'm a dad. Uh, yeah, I do anything that they tell me to do. I'm first primarily a musician, songwriter. Um, as you said, I. I'll write sermons sometimes. You write sermons sometimes? When they, when they let me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but primarily musician, writer. Yeah. Order, things like that. So how did you get your start into the arts? Oh, man. I think I started uh, when I was banging on pots and pans in my parents' kitchen um, growing up. I didn't really think music was my thing probably until late in middle school my parents wanted me to be a, well, I, don't, I shouldn't say they wanted me to be an athlete but you know typical kid really? yeah man you didn't know I, yeah, had, I was I had killing no idea, I was like I was kind of tough lucky <laughs> um but they put me in every sport known to man basketball baseball football uh, soccer um I think I did everything but hockey I, I didn't play hockey um but from like I was three to like high school I played some sort of sport the last sport I played was I was a wrestler in high school for a, for a few years. Um, but then I joined the band in middle school right around seventh grade. Um, and it was cool at first. It wasn't until like the ninth grade. I was like, ah, music is it. Um, and I would play at my parents' church. Uh, my parents are pastors. They still pastor to this day. Um, I played drums in my parents' church. I didn't start singing or anything like that, but I was in band at school and I would play drums on the weekends. So I was playing drum. I was playing music all the time. Um, when I got to the end of my high school career, I was getting ready to go to school, and I wanted to be um, a politician. So, what? Yeah, bro. There, don't. There's so many different things. Um, 
I had a passion for music, but I also had a passion for politics and law and and rhetoric and debate and different things like that. So I went to school with a double major in communications and global studies. I said I was going to go to law school right after that. Right before my first day of before my first day of classes, the president got up. It was freshman orientation. He gets up and he gives like this great speech about now's the time to like follow your dreams and follow your passions and do what you've always wanted to do. And I'm sitting in the back like, yeah, man, you know what? I'm changing my major to music, man. I'm going to do music. I'm going to do music. Um, so literally the day before classes started, I changed my major to music. Wow. Um, I majored in music and I never turned back. So I did all kinds of art in school, though. Like all kinds of music, I should say. Um, my undergrad is in jazz studies, but we, I did rock. I did gospel, of course. I did, ex, or I did R&B. I did experimental stuff. I did a lot of weird stuff. But then I finally landed on, like, songwriting, mm. like, somewhere in there. Oh, that makes sense. No, it, it definitely, <laughs> it's, it's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, I'm, I have, there's a lot of layers here. There's a lot of layers. I, I think we have to pull them back. Yeah, um, for sure. Uh, you're you're kind of like an ogre. Yeah. You know, you ever seen that Joe and Strike when he said, like, Yeah, ogres? I'm an ogre. Yeah, they're like onions. <laughs> they're like onions. Nobody nobody would really know that just off off rip. Like a lot of different, not, like, not at all. Yeah, a lot of different not at all. paths I wanted to take. That's crazy. Yeah, man. Yeah, no. I think about, I think about still to this day. Just quick caveat. I still think about going into politics even now. Um, Morgan's like, no, though. My wife says absolutely not. Um, just because of that world, and it gets really weird and it gets really aggressive, and yeah. You know, Michelle felt the same way. Hmm? Michelle, Michelle Obama mm-hmm. felt the same way about Barack. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. I'm still working on it, though. I'm still working on it. I haven't given up. Yeah, when I when I read the book, uh, I think his book, um, and he 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 kind of like spoke about like how she didn't want yeah. that and how his plan wasn't to become president. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, like it just all of the stuff like he he was in politics and it it was going right for a little bit, then it went like extremely wrong, and then. Yeah. It was like they're going to take a break, and he was like, "I'm gonna get back into it." And mm-hmm. then, like when he got back into it, that's when it started to go like, "Shh." Yeah. yeah. And and you know, being in politics, you're not really around your family that much. No, not at all. Not and at all. and then that's what she hated because yeah. he was like always away, mm-hmm. and she was like, "Nah," she was like, "Nah, Barack, yeah. <laughs> you can't do no, this." No, Morgan's the same way. She the family piece is a big thing for her. Um, and not only that, but also having our family under a, mis- a microscope all the time yeah. is very is very much so a deterrent for her. Um, I know we're not here to talk about that, uh-huh. but yeah, no. Nah, when it comes to that, she's like, nah. From from a, like a perspective, I mean, a protective standpoint, like I want to protect our family. So before you even do think about doing that, think about this first. Um, but yeah, I'm sticking with art for right now. Yeah, sticking with music for right now. That's cool. That's cr- until until we see until until the Lord says otherwise. That's crazy, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Ogre. And so if you <laughs> <laughs> layers. So I mean, if you ever do get that sign, you you do feel as if like you would follow it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think in my heart of hearts and even even with art, my purpose with art, my purpose with music, let's just use music. I don't want to speak general. Um I think my purpose with music is always in service to others. Um same thing that I would do if I was in public service or if I was in, if I had a public life like that. It's always in service of how can I do right by people? How can I inspire people? How can I make sure that people um, are galvanized to 
um, achieve a common purpose or even a greater purpose or a greater goal, um, pushing people in and propelling people into their future. Um, and don't get me wrong, there are a number of ways you can do that. Um, I think just part of me feels pulled to that public service kind of sphere and that public service kind of realm. Um, but I want to make sure before I even get into that, I'm doing that with the things I have in my hand now. And the, thing I have in my, and the things I have in my hand now are just writing and music and different forms of art and different forms of media, different things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask, I was going to ask you, did you see a correlation between, you know, becoming in politics and like the music now and yeah. the effects that you have with that? Yeah, absolutely. It's all, it's all about service. Um, all of us, all of us creatives, like when we're putting things out, whether it be in film, whether it be in visual art, whether it be in music, whether it be in, you know, uh, culinary or different things like that. All of it's serving people. Um, I think we were talking about that a little bit before we even started recording mm -hmm. about some of us, like when, all of us really as creatives, like it's it's for the people. Some art is for you, you know what I'm saying? Some art is for yourself and some art is for your own personal expression. Um, but for many of us, some of us are called to touch people, you know what I'm saying? To touch the hearts of people, to touch the souls of people. Um, whether it be through your words, whether it be through your hands, like your handiwork or different things like that. Um, so I think that's the correlation I see between um, even politics or government or public service and art. Like all of it's pointing towards humanity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like all of it's pointing towards people. Like that. That's the common thread. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't. I don't really see them. Oddly enough, of course there are some nuances to both sides, but. In my heart of hearts, they they hold hands mm. like public service and creativity. Like we're all here to serve humanity and make humanity better. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, cool. I yeah. hope so. Did you did you have that mindset when you changed your major? No, no. <laughs> I I didn't even see I didn't even see I didn't even see a, a thread or a line between the two. I only saw it as hey, I'm really passionate about music. Not even thinking about what the future would hold. Not even seeing like what kind of career I would make out of it. Um, not even seeing, you know, past my first year of school. I just knew I was passionate about music. And so with me being 18, 19 at the time, I'm going to chase it while I'm young. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that that whole, get it, do it while you're young, yeah, yada, yeah. yada, yada, yeah. Um, The thing that we all, we hear all the time, like do things while you're young. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't see it as like a higher purpose or I didn't see it as like a strong correlation to the greater good. It was just... I'm passionate about this right now, and let's see where it goes. Mm -hmm. um, now as time has, has progressed and I've gotten older and I've matured in my craft, I can kind of see it from a more bird's eye view. All right, cool. If you're passionate about this, if you're passionate about music, how does it become something bigger than just something you do for fun mm -hmm. or something you're just passionate about? How can this be of service? Yeah. Um, how can this be utilized to to mobilize people mm -hmm. um how can this be utilized to touch someone at, at a soul spirit level um and that's and that's the things that kind of i learned over time yeah yeah it, it definitely didn't come at first i got to put my phone on uh silent my fault. Good, bro. it's your show <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember your first song that you made was it while you were in college, or was it sometime Definitely. a little bit after? Yes. Uh, the first song I ever wrote, it was horrible. 
Oh, what was the name of it? That's crazy because you be uh, creating bangers now. No, 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 no. First song ever. If you look, if you do a deep dive on it, I'm pretty sure you'll find it. <laughs> I was with uh, a band that I started with some college roommates of mine called the Uncommon Ground. Um, if you listen, if you knew me in college, you know what Uncommon Ground is. Um, <laughs> the first song I wrote was like two minutes. Um, what was it called? I don't even remember. I would sing it right now, but I'm not. I'm not going to. Um, but it was like two seconds. It was uh, a rip from the the comment, the common sample of the like. There are times where you need someone. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We sampled that, and I wrote over it. Oh, it was horrible. It was so stupid. Um, I think I wrote it about some girl that I was dating at the time. Um, don't even remember her name. But <laughs> <laughs> don't even remember her name. But that was the first time I wrote a song, and I was like, this was actually really fun. Because up until that time, I had never written words. I had only written music and different things like that. Um, so notes. Because that's what I was, yeah, like notes and different things like that. I was like composing, like period. Um, but I had never really written lyrics. Uh, now my friends wrote lyrics and that was cool that was their thing but I wasn't necessarily a lyricist in that sense um, so that was my first time it was 2 o'clock in the morning and we were writing songs and I was like man let me just let me just try it horrible but ever since then I've been writing um, and I love it mm. yeah I love it right now so it's way more fun so when was that time or that moment that you thought the song that you created with words and obviously like there, there are times that was that's what it was called I'm sorry there are there, times there are times yes horrible title <laughs> horrible song I'm so sorry dog so when was that moment that you felt as if like this song is good like what was that first you haven't got there yet I haven't gotten there stop lying bro I promise you I, I, I don't promise, believe that I promise you <laughs> If, and, and, and you know this like you're your own worst critic mm-hmm. like there are songs that I've written that I was like okay like that's okay um, I'm always thinking about how I can do better like I'll use for example Psalm 23 so Psalm 23 for those of you who don't know who are listening to, to Gradient for the first time uh, like I said I work at a church I'm staff at a church uh, we just put out an album we just put out an album Easter this year one of the songs I wrote on there was called Psalm 23. It's done It's done relatively well. And people seem to really, really, like, <laughs> don't make the things. <laughs> people seem to really enjoy it. It's been impactful. Whatever. You know, to God be the glory. There are still parts of me that are like, ah, I could have rewrote that. This could have been better. Ah, I wish I would have said this instead of this. Oh, I wish I would have put this together. I love the song, but uh, I don't think I've, like, necessarily arrived at a song where I'm like, ah, oh, man. There it is. That boom. It's a that's a hit. That's 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 it. Let's do go do your thing, little song. No, I I have not gotten there yet. Nope. Nah, I mean I get it. I mean being an artist, just working on just different things. Sometimes you do look you you look back at it and like yeah. you think I could have done this differently. You know yeah. the things that you said like I could have subtracted this, added this. Yeah. You know like I I get that. Yeah. yeah. I get that, but yeah. I guess I see it from a different perspective because I know how people react yeah. towards that song. Yeah. Like I just I just know. Like I just know how people feel about it. So And I'm great and I'm grateful for it. Like and you know this because like you you never really know how people are gonna react um until you put it in front of people. Um but I never and maybe this is just me, I never wanna put the quality of something 
I never want to base the quality of something based off of someone's reaction to it. Um, because there's there have been plenty of times where someone's put out a song and that's because it wasn't received well doesn't mean it's a bad song. Mm-hmm. Or someone's put out a movie or a film and just because it wasn't received well doesn't automatically deem it a bad film. It just it just maybe wasn't received that well. Yeah. Um, whereas on the other side, if I'm sure you've seen some films that were just like, mm, not the, not, not wasn't cold. That wasn't cold. Or like you've heard a song, it was like, ah, that was like mediocre at best, and it just people rave about it. Yeah. I think everything's so subjective, especially when it comes to art. I never want to base like the quality of something based off of someone's reaction, mm-hmm. someone's reaction, because I think I'm, that's even setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. Like I, if I let's say I put my heart and soul into a song. And I'm like, yo, that's that's it. Mm. This is this is it. This is the one that's gonna change the world. And it flops. Mm. Like, do I do I be like, oh man, that's a bad song? Or do I say, oh man, it's just people didn't react to it the rap? I never want to put the quality of something like I'll never want to base it based on like public opinion or yeah. like, perception because For sure. you'll you'll shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A, a couple shows ago I, I spoke about the conversation was based off of this, right? Based off of this idea of not creating for others, but like kind of like creating for yourself. Yeah, man. Like I, I create for myself. Like anytime I create something where I put something out, I don't think about like how people are going to respond to it. Mm. I think about it like if if I personally love it, then yeah. it'll just do like what it's supposed to do. But like I'm not creating for like another person and in mind to hope they feel a particular way about this uh, the the project or the work. Yeah. Yeah. What do you say? I'm, am I allowed to ask you questions? <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. 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 <laughs> Because I think, I think even what you just said, I think as creatives, like, in our heart of hearts, like, that's, like, the purest form of art, like, just being able to create for yourself and, like, people receive it how they want to receive it and, mm-hmm. like, that, let that be that. What do you say to, to the creative that's, like, for lack of a word, for lack of a better word, under the gun? Like, we love, we love to talk about Nike, you and I. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's one of the greatest brands, like, ever. Like, mm-hmm. the way they do things is incredible. There is somebody there that's, like, it doesn't matter how I feel about this. I'm creating this. I'm creating this rollout to invoke an emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm creating this rollout not necessarily for me, but because I need people to respond to this and buy this product. Mm-hmm. What do you say to the creative? And I'm asking this because I don't know, mm-hmm. or maybe we could just talk about it. What do you say to the creative that doesn't have the luxury to just create for themselves, but their duty or their vocation is I'm creating for someone to um, buy into what it is that I'm trying to get them to buy into. Almost like I'm I my job is to invoke a certain emotion in you to to participate in this product or to buy this product or to share about this product. Like what do you say to the creative that's like by vocation, I'm not creating for me, I'm creating for you. Mm-hmm. What do you say to them? When you say what do you say that when you say, what do you mean by what do you say to them? Well, because I think every creative wants the wants the ability to just create for themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there are some creatives, like I say, that don't have that luxury. That may just like be like discouraged or like burnt, or sure. just like, man, I'm tired of doing this corny crap yeah. where I gotta get people to buy Honey Nut Cheerios, <laughs> or like I'm tired of making like Lucky Charms commercials mm-hmm. because like I'm over it. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you how do you get them? How do you get them, or what would you say to them to stay inspired or to stay, like, bought into to creating? In many ways, I, I think it's the same. 
um, yeah. from like what you've experienced. Sure. Um, like obviously you are in, in the church world. So like you yeah. have to maintain a certain level of professionalism. Yeah. And always. so it's just kind of like that. Like you have to, in order to get this work out, they have to remain like professional or you have to like remain inspired. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a difference between like an amateur and a person who is a professional, right? An amateur kind of like waits for the inspiration to, to come to them. Yeah. Right. Well, when a professional, you have to almost like will that inspiration to happen at all time. Yeah. And you also have like, you, you also have that awareness of sure. You have to be able to create, create this inspiration or like create these like mood boards for you to be able to get the work accomplished. Mm-hmm. But having that awareness will also, allow you to create side projects outside of that yeah you know in most like agencies or just like corporate gigs where like you are a designer or like you're some type of like um creative director or whatever mm. they tell you they tell like their um employees to have side projects yeah because if you have side projects you would be much more refreshed to yeah. be able to like work on the projects that you have to work on like nine to five or in the ad agency world 24 7 like 24 20 hours yeah stuff like that so yeah i mean that's that's the difference like if you are a amateur those people just kind of like try to wait for it but that's not as efficient yeah but like when you are professional then these are the people who are have have to find that Mm. like you have to find it within you to stay inspired or less you're not a professional yeah there's a uh there's a poet jasmine mans who who said it like this, um, to your point, uh, there's a difference between like the inspired artist and the craftsman. Like the inspired artist only works off as like sparks. Mm-hmm. Like they only work off of, oh, I have to be inspired. Um, I have to be like in a certain environment for me to be able to create and for me to be able to create well. Whereas the craftsman, like they're a student of the craft at all times. Mm-hmm. And like there's set aside disciplines and there's set aside dedications to, hey, if I'm if I'm saying I'm this, if I'm saying I'm an artist, I'm saying I'm a creative, I'm saying I'm a filmmaker, I'm saying I'm a songwriter, I'm dedicating my life or my time or or a certain part of like my day or my or my or my brain power to get better at my craft. Yeah. And I think that's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. a difference between like the the amateur to your point and yep. the professional. I think there's a difference between the inspired artist and the craftsman. I think we need more craftsmen. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like we need. I think there's a space for the like the inspired artists. I mm-hmm. think we all kind of start there. Like for sure. we start, we start with like a oh man, I'm gonna create because I see something that inspired me. I think that's a great place to start. Mm-hmm. But I think more of us need to cross that bridge into like the craftsman mode or the craftsperson. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, to like, hey, I'm dedicating myself to evolve my craft or to evolve in my craft and also take my craft to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um. But I think so many of us stay to your point in like that amateur mode mm-hmm. and like that inspired artist mode. Not not that that's a bad place to start, but it's not somewhere you can stay. Yeah, like you you gotta at some point mature. Yeah, um, into that craftsman. Um, but you you gotta want to do that. Yeah, you know what I'm I can't push you to do that. Well, you can't push somebody to do that. Why do you think people stay there? I have an idea, but why do you personally think people stay in that? In the inspired artist. Yep. I think it's because it's easy. Mm. Um. <laughs> I think it's because it's easy. I'll say that. I don't want to say anything that's going to get me in trouble. Um, I think it's it's simple. I think you're in control. I think you're in control of it. 
yeah, you're in control of it because like nobody, specifically nowadays, nobody wants to do anything that they don't want to do. You know what I'm saying? They want to live life by their own terms, by their own means, which every person has the right has the right to do that. Absolutely. Um, but I think there are parts of us that will run away from the discipline it takes to be to cross over to cross that threshold um and so i think that's a lot of times is why we stay just inspired or we just stay right there at the beginning because we don't want to put the work i was a lot of us are lazy that's what it is okay i was i would i I found out like an easier way to say that yeah that's a that's a more palatable way to say it i think a lot of us specifically when we when we're trying to cross that threshold we don't want to put the work in to do it you know what i'm saying i think and we had this dreamy idea, a dreamy-eyed idea of what it means to be a creative. Like, oh, man, just because you're naturally gifted, you're naturally talented, like, that's enough. I mean, when you're starting out, that's cool. That's good. That's what you're, like, that's what you've been given by the creator. Um, but in order for you to cross that threshold and progress and evolve, it takes work. It takes grit. It takes discipline. And a lot of those qualities we don't have not because we don't know it just because we're a lot of times too lazy to put forth the effort um yeah and that and that and that's sad you know what i'm saying and that and it sucks a lot of times but that's just the reality of it um and i think that really is what separates like the wheat from the tears like this separates the 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 wheat from the straw yeah um just getting from that threshold like it's going to take a certain certain level of of umph a certain level of of want, a certain level of need, a certain level of hunger. And I think a lot of us just don't have and I think a lot of us don't cultivate. Mm-hmm. We don't cultivate that hunger because we're lazy, man. Mm-hmm. Like I'm gonna just call it for what it is. Like yeah. period. Yeah. I, I think it, I think the biggest thing I'm sorry if I am sorry if that was too harsh. No, nah, no. Nah. You can cut that part out. No, nah, no, nah, I'm gonna keep all this. <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that part out if you want. We, don't, we don't do any cutting here. <laughs> Straight out. I think everything like what you said is correct. I think you also forgot one. I think the biggest thing why we have so many people who are who stay in like in that inspired like space rather mm-hmm. than getting to like either like the mastery level or like the craftsman is because of time. Ah, right. Okay. Like people yeah. like people want to get to this space, but they they feel as if like it's it should be easy to get to that point mm-hmm. to get to that level of like mastery or like yeah. craftsman, but yeah. like. And Michael Gladwell's book, um, when he speak about like uh, the ten thousand hours, right? Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. It takes ten thousand hours. I think like ten thousand hours is yeah. like almost like five years or something like that mm. of like conse- consecutive work. Um, but like also to be able to get to mastery and like what Robert Greene speaks about is like in order to get to mastery, it's like everything that you said, like the grit, the consistency, and all of that. Yeah. But also like it takes time. Yeah. To get to like that craftsman like space, yeah. and because what we see on social media nowadays is like we see somebody like doing the work, yeah. but we we think like that person just like popped up like overnight, yeah, man, overnight, and we see yeah. like we see we see with the music with like these like popcorn rappers or something like that, yeah, yeah, sure, versus like a Kendrick or like a J Cole or like a Jay Z mm-hmm. when they put their work in to be able to get that craftsmanship. So I think that's what it is. I think people don't necessarily want to put the time in because they feel as if it could either take too long or they feel as if, like, it shouldn't take as long as it should should take. To your point, I think... Knox, man, I think we have this... We have such a misguided view 
on time in general. Like, I think we're just completely screwed when it's our when when it comes to our idea of time. Like, how much time something takes, how much time something doesn't take, or like how less time, how much less time something takes, or how long we have to get it done, or how long we have in our life. Like, I think between media now, just the pace of life now, just how things have evolved. Like in twenty twenty one, our sense of time is completely is drastically different from like 1921 or like the mm-hmm. 1990s or the Thanks. 80s or you know like things have just per- I think man when it comes down to it to your point I think it all maybe even draws back to that like I think a lot of us either think we have way more time than we actually have or not enough time um and I think both are kind of accurate I think both are are, are kind of accurate. Here's here's what I mean. You know, like when you get around your elders, and you say that you're like, oh man, you know, I'm Antonio Knox. I'm in my late twenties. I want to get this done. I want to get this done. I want to get that done. I want to get this done. And your elders say, oh man, you got so much time. You have so. Oh, don't worry about that. You have so much time. Do you? How do you know? How 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 do you? There's no yeah, way. You, you to, there's no way to know exactly how much time that you actually really have. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you, people people are leaving Earth at all. I had a friend, and I don't mean to ramble. I don't want to stay here too no, long. No. But like the sense of t- this this idea of time is so critical. I had a friend um, in the sixth grade. I won't say her name, but uh, she was one of the first friends that I made in middle school. She was incredible. Incredible. Like I'm one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. We did everything together. Um, one day she stopped showing up for school. And a week later we found out that she passed away. You're in the sixth grade. How old is that? 10? 11? It, she's gone like that. Who's to say how much time you had? Mm. So that's that's one side of it. And I think another side of it is, like you said, with the, with the generation that we're currently in, we're constantly trying to push ourselves thinking we don't have enough time. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, man, I got to get this done. I got to be here because, oh, man, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. Well, I think you, if you prioritize your time and you manage your time, you actually realize you have a lot more time than you actually have. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying all that to say that we have this weird tug and pull, this weird wrestling with this idea of time. That thing has to do with your with with what you're saying about mastery. Like, don't wait to get it done, but also don't rush yourself either. Mm -hmm. You have to focus on what it is you're trying to do in order to master the things you're trying to do. Like, you can master. You got enough time to master something, Mm -hmm. but I think if you think in your mind that you have so much time, you'll be wasting time. Yeah. Um. And time is not something that we can waste Mm -hmm. because, like I said, like nobody really knows yeah. how much time they actually have That's like in their life don't wait fact. but don't rush it's so it's such a weird wrestling <laughs> you know what i'm saying it's so weird but i think we just we got such a screwed up idea of time either we think we don't have enough or we think we have too much mm-hmm. and it's and it's both and it's neither it's like somewhere in the middle yeah like don't worry about that just get it done now yeah like live now yeah. get it done now don't wait mm-hmm. um yeah i don't mean to, i didn't mean to go off on a tangent but that time thing is so critical dude I mean, I, I definitely agree with that too. Like, it's 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 hard to like really balance it, right? Like, sometimes you feel like you don't have enough time, then sometimes you feel like you have like all of the time in the world, yeah. and then you hear a story like what you just said, and like, do I really have that much time? And then you see like an elderly person, elderly person who's like, 
100 years old you're like i got a lot of time i got a lot of time yeah <laughs> because like we we're like we're almost 30 yeah right and don't say that too loud man <laughs> jeez we're almost 30 and 30 feels like it's been like a long time yeah. but it also feels like it's a, it's been a short time too right mm-hmm. so i can only imagine what it would feel like what at 90 or 100 like yeah. that would probably feel like a very very long time. either a very long time depending on how you how you spent the time or a very short time yeah depending on how you spent the time and i realized like with time for me is when i didn't necessarily do things that were i felt as if like we're in, in alignment to like what i was supposed to do with my life yeah. time would just like fly by yeah right like time was just like whoo, yeah whoo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like that gone yeah <laughs> But when I was like super intentional with the things that I needed to do for my life, whether it's like being at, being in my purpose or doing purpose purposeful things, yeah. time would go by like slowly, mm. slowly. So I, I I figured like if I take care of a t- if I take care of time, time would take care of me. That's good. That's what I felt. I love that. And time was just like so. I I'm, I'm super intentional with the timing now. Yeah. Super intentional. With take the time care of now. your time, and your time will take care of you. Mm-hmm. That's so good, man. That's what I thought. So where would you feel like and when it comes to your artistry, right? Mm-hmm. Where do you feel you are now? Do you feel I know I know you don't feel as if like you're in like this inspired state or like sure. you probably don't even feel like you are like in the mastery level yet. No. no. Do you feel where, where do you feel like you're you're closer to the Mac mastery or do you feel like you're closer to like <laughs> Is it <laughs> so you want to always avoid like feeling arrogant or sounding arrogant <laughs> when it's like <laughs> if you're like because it's, it's, it's a fine line, bro. It's a fine line between like confidence and, and arrogance. Um, I can I can definitely say without a shadow of a doubt, like I'm beyond the inspired stage, you know what I'm saying? I'm but I'm not necessarily at the mastery stage or the craftsman stage, but I'm definitely trending towards there. I think craftsmanship is how you get to, is how you get to mastery. By the way, I think I'm very much so in the craftsman stage, trending towards mastery. Um, I have not reached mastery yet by no means, because um, there are many people in my field who I can see who are masters. I was going to ask you that. Who who do you think is a master that you probably are inspired by? John Mayer is a master. John John Mayer is a is a rock pop artist uh, if he if he heard me say pop he would probably chop my head off <laughs> john mayer is an incredible writer he's an incredible musician he i've seen him i've seen videos of him writing a song in like two minutes um james fauntleroy is a songwriting master like they've they've mastered the craft i'm nowhere near that yet um uh, jay-z has become a master of 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 music and business of like like treading that line between art and business he's he's mastered that he's he's a billionaire now he's he's got it um i'm not there those people inspire me but they inspire they inspire me because of their mastery um and they and they've in so many words given the path by which you get there now everybody takes their own path i can't replicate what they did um i can however replicate the dedication to it um nobody gets the mastery without dedication nobody gets the mastery without first going to that craftsman stage yet and that's the stage i'm in now um like beyond the inspired but like hey i need to get this done discipline like this is going to take discipline this is going to take time this is going to take focus i'm there now Mm -hmm. um and i'm enjoying it 
part of it's because I've gotten older, like you said. Um, but part of it, <laughs> I mean, this is calling for what it is. But like, we're getting older now. We're not like we're not the same kids that just started off in the craft. For like, sure, we're we're, yeah. we're we're getting there. Yeah. Um, and that's because of time. Mm-hmm. And that's because of of practice. That's because of a lot of like uh, wins and losses, mm-hmm. like triumphs and failures. Um, all of that pushes you into the stage that we're at now. Mm-hmm. Maybe not mastery, but like trending there. Mm-hmm. Maybe one day we'll get there. Do you, you want know? to be a master? I mean, who doesn't? I think, yeah, I do. I do I do want to be a master of my craft. I think the way you do that is deciding, and this is, and this is the, this is the fork in the road I'm at now. I think there are two ways that you can go about becoming a master. You have people who are a jack of all trades, quote unquote, and you have people who are just very much so focused on like maybe one to two avenues of how, of expression. I've become semi-talented or semi-experienced in a lot of different avenues. So I could either do A, I could continue to kind of like spread myself and become a jack of all trades and like pursue that mastery of being a jack of all trades. Mm-hmm. Or I could pare down on maybe one or two expressions and let that be my path. Um, that's my fork now. That's where I'm. Where, that's where I am in making that decision of all right, cool. If I pare down, what is it that I'm going to pare down on? Or if I'm not going to pare down, am I okay with spreading myself over these genres and maybe and um, and almost taking a longer time to get the mastery because it, it it and I could be wrong with this, but it takes a longer time to master five things as opposed to mastering two. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it takes a longer time or a longer road. Not impossible. For sure. It may take more time to master six things than it is to master one. Yeah. Um, both of which I think are worth their weight in gold. I think both are worth pursuing. It's just a matter of making the decision of which one you want to do. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, that's the fork in the road I am in my personal life. It's like, all right, cool. You can go here or you can go here. Either way is going to be fine. It's just a matter of choosing which one is going to be the right one. Yeah. So yeah. if there could be one thing that you could master, what would it be? God, Jesus. <laughs> one thing. One thing. Probably music. Yeah. I think everything... If I'm being if I'm being candid, everything points back to that. Um, even to your point in the beginning, we used to, uh, writing sermons. I write sermons like like a musician, mm. um, like just my storytelling comes off like a songwriter. Like even the way I format my sermons in my head, um, I won't, we won't have to go into that. But like the way I like form sermons, like outline sermons, is verse verse chorus bridge chorus you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. um so everything for me stems back to to that form of art if that's had to if that had to be the one thing that i mastered it'd be that for me it have i'd have to become okay with mastering just one thing um because i think if i'm being honest part of me doesn't want to just master one thing because i would i'm afraid that i'm going to be missing out on something 
Now that's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, just being, just keeping it real. I'm not saying it's a real thing. I'm sure a lot of us struggle with that. Like, if I choose this, what am I missing out on? Mm-hmm. If I choose this, what am I going to lose? Um, which is a very, which is a very, very real <laughs> argument within within yourself. Um, and I don't have the answer for that because I'm dealing with that now. Um, but if I choose music, I have to reconcile. Okay, if I'm doing this. Or if I chose anything, I say I wanted. To, if I chose to run for a political office, <laughs> if I chose this, you know, what am I losing on the back end? If mm-hmm. I choose to go here, what am I losing here? If I choose to go there, what am I losing over here? Um, and I'm okay, and I'm okay with that, even if those things come back to me later on in life, because mm-hmm. that, that could happen. Yeah, yeah. Certain mm-hmm. things definitely come back. Certain things, definitely or you come just back. like use it differently at a different time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for the time being, in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm okay with losing those things right now with mm. the possibility of them coming or with the possibility of them never coming back. Yeah. Yep. So I'm assuming that like your first project, first first full project um, wasn't with Zoe, right? No. It was, what was that first full project? My first full project, it wasn't even my solo project. It was with, like I said, this group, um, Uncommon Ground. I'll say I created more than one song. Oh, what? Yeah, <laughs> no, nah, man. We, there's a, plenty of stuff out there. Um, Shout out to Darius Mines. Shout out to Clarence Cartwright. Uh, two of my best friends to this day. Um, yeah, nah. So that was like some of the first stuff that I like created art and then put it out with those guys. Um, I was able to do a lot of other things with other people. But as far as like first, like first starting out, that was it, bro. Yeah. So, dude, is it, was it, was it night and day in comparison to what you created for Zoe as far as like, the craftsmanship as far as the craftsmanship mm-hmm. because like yeah. you said like you said the first song wasn't that good yeah yeah no yeah. it's night and day now it's yeah no totally night and day um i think the heart is still the same um the heart of it being how it made someone feel um but as far as how we got there night and day process i mean we we're talking about me in my sophomore junior year in college um making songs just for, you know, just for the you know so this wasn't songs. that too long ago oh yeah no 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 no. i didn't start i didn't start putting out stuff until like midway through college um the heart of it's still the same but the way i got there is totally different now um i can definitely see the maturity in my process now um and the maturity in how i work with other people now um not that not that anything happened that was that was crazy or anything like that, but just things have definitely changed. Yeah, I think about things differently. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It, it seems like you've you've been in a group or like in a band. Have you ever thought about doing a solo thing? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody always asks me that. Um, and have what, I thought about it? And, and would you go by Re- Reverse Taylor? I'm not good at picking on stage names, but. Have I thought about it? Yeah, I've definitely thought about it. Am I going to actually do it? I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll definitely have to see. Would I go by Rivers Taylor? Probably. I mean, uh, I I wouldn't come up with a a really cool stage name or anything like that. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. We'll, We'll see, man. So I'm definitely interested in knowing the process of Psalms 23 because not only has that song been extremely impactful for so many others, but it was also 
you know, within the you gave me the blessing to put it in. Of course, the man. film that I did. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely would n- love to know the process of like how that song came to be. Where did it? Where, <laughs> where were you inspired by? Sure. Like, and how did it? You know, come. So, so there, are, there are two stories. There's, <laughs> there's, there's like the like the MTV behind the scenes story. Like, it's like all heartfelt, and like God inspired and divine inspired. And then there's like what actually happened. <laughs> uh, so I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna tell y'all what actually happened, um, which is probably a little less glitzy and way more who I actually am. Come on, bro, I want the glitter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you want the glitter? Okay, I give you the glitter. Uh, the glitter is the glitter version is um, I grew up in church. Uh, and all this, don't get me wrong, the glitter story, I mean, the glitter story, the glitzy, the glittery story is, is still very much so true. Um, I grew up in church. Uh, like I said, my parents still pastor to this day. Excuse me. Um, one of the first scriptures I ever learned in church was Psalm 23. Um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down. All that good stuff. Um, when I got to college, um, I like to tell people I had seen the good, bad, and the ugly of church. Um, so when I got to college, I was kind of like hands off. Like when when I left my parents' church, I was cool on church. Like me and Jesus were still cool, but church and everything that came with that, I was good on. Um, and I stayed that way for for a little bit. Uh, but that scripture always stayed with me. That was I have a tattoo of it. Like all that stuff. Like that was the only thing that only scripture that really came to my mind um, when it came to anything having to do with my faith. When I came back to faith, of course, everything was cool. I mean, when I came back to church more so, everything was fine. Um, I learned more. I grew more. I matured my faith more um, to make my faith less contingent on people and more contingent on just me and my walk with the Father. Um, Fast forward, when it came time to start working on this album, uh, that was the first scripture that came to my mind, and I wrote it and put it out. So the real story is, still all that all that stuff is true. Real story is, uh, I had been sitting on like that verse, the the opening line, and like a piece of a chorus for a while. Like the Lord is my shepherd, I have all I need, I have no fear. I had been sitting on that for like a minute. I didn't think it was gonna be a song. It was just something I, like a little jingle I would be singing in my head. I sang it like a piece of it at like a worship night uh, that we did at TLC, the Life Church, um, a couple years ago. Didn't think any of it. Didn't didn't think anything of it. Just boom, had sang it. It was cool. That's how we ended the service. I left it alone. <laughs> Fast forward about a year later, um, our boss, the pastor, Pastor Vernon, was like, "Yo, let's come up. Let's come up. Let's start writing some songs." And we had written some songs together. Don't get me wrong. We had, and we had already started putting out music as a church. Um, and he and I had always been like, yo, we're going to be a church that puts out music. So uh, he came to me and said, hey, I think it's like timed. Or, or I came to him, one of the two. Um, I think it's time for us to like start recording some music. So us to like start thinking about the album. So we're like, all right, cool. We start putting some songs together. Some songs we already had. Some songs that we had to write from scratch. Um and like the idea of Psalm 23 came to back came to the back of my mind, but I didn't say anything. I was just like, oh man, it's like only like a little jingle. Like I don't have nothing, like whatever. Um fast forward, we're getting down to the wire. We're like, yo, we need another song. I said, okay. 
I got an idea for a song. Don't really know how it's going to come out. So I started writing. Shout out to Justin Brown. Justin Brown and I worked on this song together. Um, he's the producer on it. So fast forward some more. It's about November. We're putting the songs together. Psalm 23 still isn't done. Like All I have is the opening line and the chorus. And I'm procrastinating. Like I'm procrastinating hard. The recording's in January. We leave for Thanksgiving. Come back. We rehearse some more. Song's still not done. Christmas comes. We take a break. We come back in January. I don't even think Pastor Brandon knows this story yet. Um, <laughs> when you find out, he's going to be mad tight. Um, we come back in January, and all the songs are done except for Psalm 23. Mm. So I finished writing it in a rehearsal, uh, like the last chord, like, your beauty and love, you're following all our days. Um, I wrote it in the rehearsal um, just to see how it was going to sound. It was just a vocalist. I hadn't talked to the band. We hadn't done anything like that. It's the week of the rehearsal. Pastor Vernon shows up, who's the executive producer on the album. He shows up to hear all of the finished songs, mm-hmm. right? Okay, cool. I put, during the run-through, I put Psalm 23 at the end. Because, <laughs> not because, like, we were going to round out the, not, not because we wanted to round out the recording with that, but because we hadn't finished it yet. Just in that. Now, the singers were good. The band didn't know the music. And the only people that knew where we were going were Justin and I. We get to the last song. We get to Psalm 23 during the rehearsal. Like, this is the week of. And Justin looks at me, and I look at Justin, and he just starts a metronome. And we just jump out there. And thank God we were recording the rehearsal because that's how it got finished. We recorded this. We were we finished that song on the spot. Like, the recording was Friday. We finished it Sunday. And that's how Psalm 23 got on the record. That's now, crazy. mind you, so mind you, on the recording night, which was that Friday, we had sung the majority of the songs on the album in front of our church before. Like Your Mercy Endureth, we had sang before, Rising, we had sang before. I think there was one other song that we had written just for the album. But so Psalm 23 is last. I'm sweating bullets. <laughs> because A, I don't know how this is gonna land. I don't know if this is even a good song. I don't know if this is gonna like I don't know if our church is gonna respond. Mm-hmm. Um so we get to that song. And the track starts, and I'm shaking. Um, but lo and behold, like, it landed well. Our church received it well. Everybody received it well. Um, if you look back at the video uh, on YouTube, I start crying at the end. Because I was like, oh, man, crazy. Like, this is this is crazy. Like, it's wild. Like, to think that we didn't have this song done last week, and now really? it's done. Yeah. So that's, like, the real story. Like, we got down to the wire. And I'm a, I'm a procrastinator by nature. God. God, that is like a is like a sickness. It really is a sickness. So I procrastinated so hard mm. on Psalm twenty three, and to the very last, to literally minute. the last, the last week of like this needs to get done now, and yeah, and it got done, and thank the Lord. So I, I see now, like you have a you have a different perspective from it. Mm-hmm. You have a different perspective of it than like everybody else does. Absolutely, people were like. People are thinking that, like I said, like but the glittery part of the story is really true. Like, don't get me wrong, um, that scripture means the world to me. Um, but when it came to like recording the song, I procrastinated on that thing, man. Mm. I waited, I waited, I waited. I didn't have nothing. Um, I and it's not that I didn't try. It's just everything that I wrote was just like, man, this is whack. Yeah, this is weak. Scratch this. This is nah. Oh man, this might be working. Okay, this is cool. Let me flip this around. 
So you know, it won't done done. Yeah. Until like that week. Yeah. Maybe a little bit later, a couple of days before the rehearsal. I yeah. Mean, before the recording. So. Yeah. That's that's Psalm twenty three. I I think there was a quote in which it says, um, Jay Z said it took him like twenty six years to create like his first album. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When was the first time you heard Psalms twenty three? The first time I heard it. I, well, th- you said it was the first verse that you uh-huh. you learned about, right? Yeah. So, from that time until like you created the album, do you think it was kind of like baking within you? Oh yeah, definitely. That whole time. Oh, one hundred percent. Because there's there's no way that it would have came out that way unless it had been like really resonating in in me for for a while. Um, even before I sang it at that worship night, like I said, like it had been a jingle in my head. For a minute, even at the beginning part, the Lord is my shepherd. All that stuff had been ringing in my head for like a year. That opening line is so powerful, though. That's all I had. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I had was that opening line was the Lord is my shepherd. I have all I need. I have no fear. And I didn't have anything after that. But it had been stirring around and beating around in the closets of my brain for so long. Then when it was time to like put something around it. It came about pretty organically. Like I didn't have to force. I didn't have to force that. Um, thank goodness. But yeah, it had it had been it had been baking in there for a minute. I mean, that's crazy, and, I, and I'm sure so many people have come to you and expressed how they felt about that song. And you know, yeah. you know, my producer on the on the film, like the first time she heard that, like when Shout she drove Alex. when she drove in the car, she said she cried. She cried to it. That's crazy, bro. She cried to it, and I, and I know, like, there are, there have been like so many other people who've seen the film personally. They listened to the song like afterwards too because it was wow. that impactful. But to hear you, bro. and I feel like I, I feel like I'm always taking the wind out of people's sails, like because I feel like I, I'm. And this is another thing, like, and this is how I know it was like very much so, like God inspired, divine inspired, like divinely inspired. Um, because it really had nothing to do with me. It really, it really was the power of the Holy Spirit, um, or the power of God. However you want to, however you want to look at it, I'll say the power of the Holy Spirit that really guided me, or really guided that song to be what it was. It had nothing to do with me, bro. It had nothing to do with like gifting or like crap. All the stuff we've been talking about this whole time, that had nothing to do with that. Like it was, it was clearly divine. Um, and the way that people are responding to it reminds me of that constantly like yo this had nothing to do with your pen like this had nothing to do with how y'all were playing it how y'all produced it it was like that's cool and i'm sure it would sound fine you know by itself but like it was really like the the power of the lord that was like the that secret sauce that really just made it what it was man it won't be dog yeah 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 i i do believe there are you know we're born because we have a purpose. Yeah, for sure. And I believe, like, throughout throughout our lives, there are particular things that we are supposed to do or, like, create yeah. to, to give to, like, others. Yeah. Um, and that seems like that was, like, one of those things that you were, one of those songs you oh, were supposed man. to create for um, for people. That Like, that was, like, one of your purposes. Yeah. Right? Like, that, sh- that you brought out, like. I really <laughs> going, bro. Like, I, yeah. I, all praises be. I'm telling you, I I guess. <laughs> so, to, do you think there are other purposes within you that you are supposed to bring forward? Yeah, definitely. Um, 
No. 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 I think there's one purpose. I think there are different avenues that I'm supposed to use to get that purpose out. Okay. I th- and let me explain what I mean by that. I think foundationally my purpose on this earth is to serve people, to love people, to love, to serve people, and to support people in whatever way that I can. And as I've gotten older, I keep saying how and like how I've gotten older. But I feel like I'm just in that season of my life now. I'm like super reflective. I'll be 30 next year, so like right now I'm like reflecting on everything, like from childhood to now. Um, like how did I get here? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm, I'm I'm constantly reflecting on that. But now that I'm in this season of my life, I look back and like every every moment in my life has either been I've been put somewhere to love someone, put somewhere to serve someone, or put somewhere to like support someone. Um, and and that avenue has changed a lot, like from doing this to doing that, serving in this capacity, working in this capacity, doing this, writing for this person, singing for this person, uh, recording for this person, writing for this person, um, ghost writing for this person, different things like that. Um, oh, you, you go you ghost written for, oh, man, for man, Drake. Shit, 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 shit. <laughs> I can put nobody out there. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, um, all of the all of the avenues, all of the ways I've expressed that, um, has always pointed back to those three things. So I think I have one purpose, and I think I have different ways and different times in my life that I that I that I different ways that I use to get there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I hope I'm clear with that. Yeah. 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 I think I have I think I have one primary purpose, and that, and those are those three bullets, and I'm using whatever avenue or whatever role or whatever thing whatever i have in my hand at the time to do that mm-hmm. yeah okay i hope that makes sense yeah i respect that i was so man i respect it bro i would hate if you didn't respect it man i would really feel sad about that i would really feel sad <laughs> i respect it <laughs> <laughs> okay so what do you see for yourself for the next three to eight years i'm running for president no i'm kidding no i'm playing <laughs> No, I'm kidding, man. Uh, what do I see for myself in the next three to eight years? <sighs> when it comes to just life, when it comes to art, when it comes to music, when it comes to... Up to your interpretation. Okay. What I see myself see for myself in the next three to eight years. One... And I know this sounds super cheesy, but I mean, I really mean this. Um, I always want to be a better husband and a better dad. And a better dad. Um, I had an incredible dad. I, I, he's the best. Um, and I saw how he built my family and how he built me um, and really just giving me the the framework of my morals and how I think and how I lead and how I live. I don't know, it's a direct correlation of just his presence and just um, him always attempting to be better than the day before. Um, so we're in, so one, over the next three to eight years, I really just want to be better at being a better just husband and a better father. Um, 
not to say that I'm a bad dad and a bad husband now, which I think I'm out here like abusing my family. <laughs> um, but like I always want to, I always want to be progressing. I always want to be evolving. I always want to be um, what my family needs. So that's number one. I think number two. What I see, see for myself, three eight years. I think I want to take more risks. Um, I want to take way more risks. Whether they be calculated, whether they be um, whether they be uncalculated, whether they, I just want to, I want to take more risks, um, and that also goes back to me wanting to be my be a better father to my kids. I want my kids to see that it's okay to take risks. Um, I want my kids to see that it's okay to go after what you want and to go after the things that you want and to go after. Um, the passions that you have inside of you to, to chase those, chase those um, regularly. I want them to see that um, on a regular basis. So I want to take more risks. And then I think lastly, I don't know. Lastly, I want to just walk fully in my purpose like we were just saying um and not being afraid to do so not being afraid to do that um not to say i'm afraid to do that now but i think the older you get the more you have to lose um so i think every day getting closer and closer to fulfilling that over the next three to eight years is something i'm definitely going to be reaching for so those three things just be a better husband and father take more risks and walk more squarely in my purpose, like squarely, like focused on that. Um, yeah. So, what does it look like to take a risk? What does it look like to take a risk? What does oh, a risk man. look like to you? A risk looks like to me. Um, and I don't know how to formulate this. No, please. Um, If you believe in like God, right? Yeah. Is there really a risk? Oh man, you getting deep now? Okay. If you believe in God, is and, there really and, a risk? And His Word, right? Is there really a risk? I think there's a risk. If you don't prioritize God, if you believe in God, if you believe in God, I wholeheartedly believe that he should be a priority for you. And if God is a priority for you, that means God's will for your life should be a priority for you. I think you start to get into the risk factor, uh, quote unquote. Um, uh, I think you start getting the risk factor. If you start trying to operate outside of his will, that's 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 a risk that is unnecessary. I think we as humans, because we don't always know the future, us in our finite minds, even though God sees the beginning from the end, all those different things, even if you're in the will, even if you're in the will of the Father, if you don't know the future, 
and all you know is the now. Every step into the future, every step into the unknown is a risk within your th- within your own mind. You know what I'm saying? So I think a, a, a step outside of the will of God or step in the other direction of the will of God, I think is an unnecessary risk. It's probably just a bad decision. I wouldn't even call that a risk. I'd just call that a bad decision. Mm-hmm. I think a risk is within your humanity, no matter how much faith you have. I think risk for yourself is any step into the unknown. Um, even though you know the Father has you, even though even though you know the Father um, is always going to give you provision, is always going to give you more strength, he's always going to give you more grace. Um, even within our, in the, in the finality of our own minds, it's still a risk to step out there. But that's why it's called faith, because you have to jump out there on faith. Um, that doesn't mean it's not a risk. You don't feel as though it's a risk. Now, we can get into the, into the whole idea of, like, is risk real or is it something that we created in our own minds? But that could be for a whole other podcast. I think, <laughs> I think we can dive into that, too. Like, I think risk is maybe something that we've created for ourselves, mm-hmm. um, which I think is fine. But, I mean, because we're, we're still humans, we're still here. Um, there's human emotions. There are human thoughts. There are human things that we experience on the everyday. Fear, anxiety, um, doubt. I think the idea of risk or the fear of risk is one of those things. Um, but, yeah, I think in God, there's still a the idea of risk, not that risk is an actuality. Does that make sense? I, I get where you're going. I okay. Get, I get where you're going. Um, so, yeah, so typically we like to end off the shows with uh, a gem. A gem. A gem. Okay. Um, that we would love for you to give to the people. I mean, obviously you dropped so many gems. I didn't drop any. I you dropped drop, a couple I, gems. I didn't drop any You gems. dropped a couple gems. No gems, were, no gems were dropped. Gems were dropped. No gems you, were dropped. You're the uh, gem dropper. I'm not the gem <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a gym dropper. Yes, if you could leave one more gym for the people, what would you leave? I keep thinking about something you said. Okay. Um, about this idea of time. Okay. Like you take care of your time, so time takes care of you. I think that's I think that's the gym. No, no, it, seriously, because I think even and this is beyond the idea of creativity. This is beyond like even this medium. I think there are people in the world who have this bad relationship with time. Um, have a very bad idea or a very convoluted idea of time. Um, it's like that dichotomy that we said, that duality. Like, we either think we have too much time or so much time, we don't have enough time. I think we're all given a certain lot of amount of time. Nobody knows how much it is. But I think it's all of our job, it's all of our mandate on all of us to take care of the time that we have. Um, so if I had to drop a gem, it'd be the one that you said. Like, <laughs> take care of your time, man. 
take care of it, steward it well. Like everything goes back to stewarding your time well, steward your gifts well, steward your talents well, steward your treasures well, all that. Yeah, absolutely. But time is the only thing that we'll never get more of. Yeah, it's it's the priceless commodity. Um, so treat it well, and it'll take care of you. It's like an investment. If you invest money, the investment will take care of you. If you do it right. If you do it right, yeah. If you do it right. Invest in the right companies. Invest in the right companies. I'm not your financial advisor, but invest in the right companies. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, but if you take care of your time, man, your time will take care of you. No matter how much time it is that you have, whether it be little time, little years of time, decades of time, short cycle, a short time span, whatever it is, whatever the creator has given you, man, it's do it well. That's it. So this really, I'm the gym stealer right now. You dropped the gym. I just picked it back up and showed it to the people. You dropped that gym. Hey, bro. Thank you for coming out. Thank you, man. I know I'm a rambler. I don't interview well, so I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I don't know, bro. I might have to put this out first. Man, whatever, dog. (laughs) No, man. Go ahead and chop this up and make me sound smart. This might have to be the first drop. Edit me up and make sure I sound smart. Um, nah, man, I appreciate you, boss. Hey, man, I appreciate you, bro. Um, like I said, like, thank you for coming out. Thank you for taking some time, you know, on your your, your day off. Yeah, man. Your day off. I'm happy to do it. Um, yeah, man, this is great. This is great. Great radio, radio, radio. <laughs> yeah, uh, thank you for everyone watching again. Um, watching again, listening to the podcast. Not Packers Radio Show. Yeah, radio. <laughs> radio Show. Um, my name is Antonio Knox. That is Rivers Taylor. Yeah, and this was the Gradient 